Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Amen. Man, well, how many of you have been enjoying this series, Marked by Jesus? It's been awesome. I know I have. I have actually haven't even spoken. Uh, this is the third weekend, so I get to jump in on week three. And man, I was literally just standing here worshiping while we were uh, in the midst of the song portion of our service, and, and I was literally almost crying because, and here's why, I was just thinking about what I'm about to do and what I'm currently doing, and I was so incredibly thankful, and I was asking God, like, why, God, I can't believe I get to do what I'm doing and what makes me so grateful is all of you. What makes me so grateful is, such, and a, is just a group of people who love Jesus and who want to get closer to him and want to, to follow what he has for their lives. And, and I just want to tell you that my wife and I, who was playing Deb up there, I don't know if you noticed her, uh, she's a pretty good Deb uh, from Napoleon Dynamite, but um, that we are just so incredibly blessed. I, just today it hit me. It hits me almost every week, but today it hit me hard. I was standing up in worship just being so thankful and saying, God, you are so good. And, um, and so I just wanted to say thank you one more time because I'm incredibly grateful for a great church that I have the privilege of being the campus pastor at. Um, we're, we're jumping into uh, to, to week three, and we're just going verse by verse. And our prayer is that you really just grab a hold and understand Scripture more and that you could read throughout the week and, and, and dig deeper into it. But we're going to be uh, jumping into verses 14 and 15. And in that passage, he talks about the kingdom of God. And he says these two words, to repent and believe. And so I want to talk about repenting and believing. And with that, I want to talk about the monkey bars. Uh, anybody, like, favorite subject in school... When people ask me that, I would say recess. I don't know if that counted, but they would ask, what's your favorite subject in school? I'd be like, recess. That's the best subject in school. And often at recess, when I was a wee lad, I would go for the monkey bars. It was just, just a fun thing to do. You see how many you can stretch off and grab. And, uh, and it was just monkey bars are just classic. And um, I'm currently teaching my daughter how to do the monkey bars. And one thing she doesn't, uh, she's struggling to grasp. The one hiccup she has is letting go of the one behind her so she can swing forward into the next one. Because in order to do the monkey bars, you have to do two things. You have to grab onto the next one, and you have to let go of the, next, of the one behind you. You have to grab onto the one in front of you, and you have to let go to the, of the one behind you. And because if you just do one or the other, it's not going to work. If you just grab hold of one, but you don't let go of the one behind you, you're just going to stay there. And if you don't grab onto the one in front of you and you just let go, you're going to fall. You need both of those things. And Jesus says these words, to repent and believe. And I believe those two steps is crucial in terms of the kingdom of God, as it looks to the kingdom of God. And the reason this is so important, as I was reading this, and I feel like, man, this is for our church right now. This is for you today to hear these words, to do both of these steps, because some of us are just doing one of them. And I'm going to explain what that means, to repent and believe. But I think some of us are just doing one or none of these things. We need both of these things. So to repent means to let go of something. It's a change of mind and a change of heart, but it also implies a letting go of something. 
And then to believe means embracing something else. So when you start to follow Jesus, you are letting go of something. You're letting go of your past beliefs. You're letting go of your sin. You're letting go of your control and recognizing that God is in control. And you are clinging to that belief that God is good and that he is in control and that he loves you. Now, here's what I believe. That Here's what I recognize in, our, in the church in general, but also in our church, Project Church, West Sacramento, is I think a, a problem is that we're on the monkey bars and we're not moving forward because we got, we're, we've maybe believed, but we're not letting go. Or maybe, or, or maybe we're letting go, but we're not grabbing onto the next one, so we're dropping. And we're not moving forward. And that's why I believe sometimes we find people who give their life to Jesus and they, they, they become a Christian, a Christ follower, and they say, I'm going to start following Christ. But they don't fully believe in that Jesus is in control because when you believe, your whole life changes. Your actions will follow the belief. And so when we see people that give their life to Jesus but their life doesn't look any different really, I believe that's because we've genuinely said, man, I want to let go of this past life, but we haven't embraced the new life that God's called us to. And so in the kingdom of God, he says to repent and believe. So I believe this message is so important for us today because some of us are, are hanging in that in-between. We haven't let go or we haven't believed and we haven't grabbed on to the next bar. We haven't fully embraced the truth about Jesus, that he's in control and that he loves us. Because I believe when you do those two things, it will advance the kingdom of God and your life will look dramatically different. Following Jesus means your life is completely changed. It looks totally different from, from when you were not following Jesus. And so often that's a good comparison of, of saying, man, what did my life look like before I started following Jesus? And is it different now? And if the answer is that's not really different, you need to ask yourself, am I really letting go? And I'm re am I really embracing this belief? Am I repenting and believing? So our prayer through this study, we're reading verses 14 and 15, is that you read the, the, the Bible throughout the week. And one of the most powerful things that's been happening, we just launched our community groups. And community groups are simple. They just meet throughout the week, some of them in the morning, some of them in the evenings, all throughout the area on different days of the week so that, so that there's more opportunity for people to plug in because we know we all have different schedules. And the idea is simply to look at the Bible, to look at the scripture we're reading here and to ask the questions and, and maybe lower our, our, our transparency level a little bit and open up a little bit and say, hey, I don't fully understand that part and hear different perspectives. And when you do that, your faith grows and your relationship grows. You grow on friendships and you grow in your faith. And so what I really want to encourage you is to find a community group. You can find a group online, projectchurch.com groups. We have one Sunday night. We have one tonight that I'd love for you to join as well. You can find that online. But I'd encourage you to do that. And also we have journals too to help you go deeper. But our prayer through this series that we're just going verse by verse through this series and is that you would really dig deeper into it and be even expecting what's next week and, and read ahead for what God's going to, um, to speak to you about. And so in, uh, in verses 14 and 15, here's what happened. Last week, remember, we, read, we, we had a guest speaker and he talked about Jesus's baptism. And then he also talked about right out of baptism, what happened? He went straight into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. So baptism, temptation, 
And then right out of that temptation in 40 days in the wilderness, he comes in and we kind of read how he starts his ministry. Jesus starting his ministry. And um, this is what it looks like. Two verses that I want to read today. Verses 14 and 15 in Mark chapter 1. It says this, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying the time is fulfilled. Everybody say fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Everybody say at hand. So repent and what? Repent and what? In the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to us. God, you would open up our hearts. We would repent. We would believe. And you would speak through me that that it wouldn't be my words, but your words today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, that's, those are the verses that were just two verses that, that are pretty simple, but so incredibly powerful. So I want to talk about that because there's some, some things Jesus said there, and it's kind of like, what does he mean by that? Really important. The kingdom, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So I want to talk about the kingdom of God for just a minute. Um, the kingdom of God is kind of like, what, what does that exactly mean? And here's something that's it's a big deal that we know this because Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than any other subject. He talked about it more than, than money. He talked about it more than anything else in the scripture. He talked about it 126 times throughout the gospel. So it's very important that we understand what it means. So if I were to ask you right now, hey, what, is, what does the kingdom of God mean? What would you say? What, what, is, what is Jesus talking about when he says the kingdom of God is at hand? Well, I want to make it really clear and really simple. I like to define it really simply like this, is God's rule and reign over all. God's rule and reign over all. See, we have to understand that there is nothing in the universe. There's no square inch of this universe that God is not in control of. And that's pretty crazy. And when we believe that, this is what he's talking about. So he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news, the gospel. God's in control. And what that also means is that you're not in control. We got any control freaks in the house? Be honest. I like it. I like it. I got some transparency going on. I love it. I was raising my hand too. You saw it. Believing that God is in control is also believing that you're not in control. That doesn't mean we just don't do anything. We submit to laziness. God works through us, but we understand that God is ultimately in control. He's given us free will. He's given us the ability to choose, to decide what we do with our life. But we need to understand that he is ultimately in control. And so he preached on this more than anything else that he did. Did any of you guys have the crazy uncle Growing up, crazy Uncle Joe, that would you get around him, and and he just brings up the same like weird conspiracy theory about like Mel Gibson and the Illuminati and something about Toys R Us or something really out there. Anybody else? No. Is is anybody that crazy uncle? Like yeah, maybe. Um, see, G, see he that kept bringing up the same thing. And so Jesus kept on bringing up the same thing. His thing that he kept bringing up the most was about the kingdom of God. He was saying, 
God's in control. God's in control. God rules and reigns over all. This is God's kingdom, and God is the king of that kingdom. And it is right now. We're not waiting around. We're not looking for it. And Jesus preached on this, and as he preached this, what his message with this is, yes, it's at hand, and he was making it evident. By the way he lived his life, he was making the king, it was very clear that God was in control, that God is ruling by the way he taught, but also by the way he lived his life. You see miracles happen. People being healed of diseases that they've had for years. People being raised back to life. The, the, his teaching, miracles, signs, and wonders were following Jesus, and that was making the kingdom of God evident. It was making it clear, making it known that Jesus... That God, rather, is in control. That God's kingdom is here and now. And so do you live your life that same way? Do you live that the way that if someone looked at your life, you would say, man, that's, that's really apparent when I look at this person's life that God's in control because I see the way he lives his life. I look at the way she lives her life, and that makes it really clear that God is in control, that God's rule and reign is over all. Because I don't know if I always do. I ask myself that question, and I think often I have the mindset that I'm kind of in control. Because like I said, I was raising my hand under the control freak and saying, yeah, I like to be in control, but I need to understand and submit and humble myself and realize that God is in control. And when I do that, and if I live my life with that perspective, I'll see opportunity for miracles, signs, and wonders to happen. So here's, here's what uh, Jesus said, and it sounds like he contradicts himself. In Matthew... Chapter 6, verses 9, he was teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, okay, pray then like this. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you guys see that kind of looks like he contradicted himself? Because he already said the kingdom of God is what? Is at hand. But then he says, oh, hey, by the way, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in his heaven. Like, wait, you said it's at hand, but then you said pray for it to come. Is it at hand or is it coming? Is it at hand or is it coming? You want to know the answer? Both. It is both here and coming. It's both already but not yet. See, see, when we look at the big picture of the timeline, the biblical timeline, we see that there is a consummation of everything promised that is soon to coming. And I could get into a very long teaching about this where I still don't know all the answers and the details where there's a lot of questions to be asked. But in Revelation, it promises that he is bringing about a renewing, a new heavens and a new earth, that he's bringing back the things to, and restoring that to which it was like in the Garden of Eden at the beginning. And so he, when he says, your kingdom come, he says, let there be a restoring. So it's already here. God's already in control. But let there be signs and wonders pointing and making it evident that God is in control. Let there be signs and wonders making it evident that God rules and reigns over all. So when, when he asks us to pray, he's saying, pray like this, your kingdom will come. So you don't have to wait for, see, a lot, a lot of times, this, this is kind of my frustration with a lot of Christians that just focus on heaven so much that we're just talking about like oh heaven's gonna be great heaven's gonna like heaven is coming but then we also talk about eternal life like that's but I want to let you know that etern your eternal life doesn't start when you die and go to heaven your eternal life starts when you give your life to Jesus 
If you are a Christian, you put your trust and surrendered your life to Jesus, you are living in your eternal life right now. And you're not supposed to pray and not just supposed to wait around for, for you to die so you can go to heaven, but you're supposed to pray for heaven to come down to earth. For miracles, for signs and wonders, you're supposed to be praying that God would do things on earth at the, as they are in heaven. That there's no sickness in heaven, uh, there's no sickness in heaven. So if there's sickness, you pray, you believe that there would be healing, that there wouldn't be sickness. And our job is to believe in that, that God is in control, to, to repent that, that of our belief and embrace the truth and believe in the truth that God's in control. It's both Already, but not yet. So what did it mean to the people at the time? I think that's an important question. When you study scripture, just ask questions, because I still do. I know, and, and don't stop asking them. Like, you read scripture and say, why did Jesus say that? That's sometimes, as, that's, that's as simple as Bible study is. That's, that's all really you need to do sometimes, is ask questions. So don't stop asking. I know some of you, like, read scripture so many times, that you're like, oh, I've already read this part. But when you look at it with the lens of, of being open to ask questions and saying, man, what, why did Jesus say this? And so I asked the question, well, so Jesus is speaking to the people of Galilee. Why did, what did it mean to them when they came up and, and this guy they didn't know was the son of God at the time? And he said, hey, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What did that mean to them? Well, this is what it meant to them. They were preparing themselves. They were waiting for something to happen. They were waiting for prophecies to be fulfilled, that the promise of salvation, they, were, they, were, they had this promise that there was going to be someone that was going to come and bring about salvation to their life. Now, how that salvation looked was a little different than what they expected. What they expected was a physical salvation. They expected to be saved under, out of the Roman rule. They were under Roman rule and they did not like it. Persecution. They were under Roman rule, the Jews in Galilee that he was speaking directly to at that time. And they were saying, oh, cool, the kingdom of God is at hand. What's going to happen? So you're saying, well, you're, you're pulling us out. There's going to be a physical battle. I need to grab my sword and we're going to fight and we're going to break free from this bondage. This physical bondage, this physical governmental political bondage that we're in right now, you're going to set us free? And he says, yeah, I'm going to set you free, but what's the call to action? The, the call to action is not to grab your swords and let's go fight and we're going we're gonna to break free from this bondage, but the call to action is to repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand, so what do you do? Repent and believe, and it's not bringing about a physical salvation, but it's bringing about the salvation of your heart. It's bringing about a spiritual salvation, that your heart and your mind are being renewed, and that you are encountering the king of kings. You're encountering the kingdom of God is right here, and it's changing everything, because what they knew was that in order to meet with God, you have to go into a temple, and only a few people are allowed in that place, and you have to wait for him to come out and see what he says. But he's saying, no, the kingdom of God is now. Everything's changing. And they didn't get it for a while. They didn't get it for a while. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. So if the call to action is to repent and believe, what, what does that mean? 
Two weeks ago, uh, Caleb opened up the series talking about how John the Baptist preached, and he said, repent and then be baptized. And it was such a powerful sermon because he talked about the revival of repentance and the revival in the church that's going to take place when we truly come to God and not just say, hey, sorry for what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to go back and do it. But we, but we truly lay down our life and, and humble ourselves before God, and we recognize that we are sinful that we all have sin and submit that to God and embrace what he has. And so I want to continue on with that and focus on the embrace. So repentance means turning from something and letting it go. And then while belief means grabbing a hold of something and embracing something, believing in something, you're believing this truth that Jesus is control. And so I look at this, ask another question. I asked, why did Jesus put these things right next to each other? The kingdom of God. And then he talked about repenting and believing. Why did, he, why did he put those two things right next to each other? And so I think the kingdom of God, it makes sense in this way. The kingdom of God is here, repent and believe. And so what, you're, what are you letting go of? Like if you're saying repenting, letting go. And I believe it as I, as I ask that question, like what, what, what correlation do they have? Kingdom of God's here, so repent. Well, I believe what you're letting go of, ultimately a lot of sin is basically rooted in the, in the thought, in the belief that you are in control. And so you're letting go of the belief that I'm in control. I'm just gonna let go of that because I realize I am not in control. I'm going to let that go and I'm going to embrace the fact that God is in control. I believe that another reason Jesus put that in there is that when you believe and repent, you make the kingdom of God evident. You make it known. When you fully believe that God's in control, you're going to believe for miracles. If you really believe that, that God's in control, that things are going to follow that belief because the word of God, James chapter 2, says what without actions, with faith without actions is dead. There's no, there, faith without works is dead. Without something backing up, without you doing something about this belief that you have, it's not really a belief in God. And so what I believe he's calling us to, and the picture that he's painting here is like the kingdom of God is here. When you repent and when you fully believe, you are also making it known to people. You are also making it known if you're believing, you're praying for your neighbor that has a sick child, you're praying for your coworker who's going through something rough and you are truly believing and letting them know, I'm going to pray and I believe that God will intervene. Man, I'm hearing stories about that. I just keep on hearing stories of God answering prayer. Sarah just brought up how, how it was so simple that, that God answered her prayer, finding the glasses that she was looking for. And sometimes I think that we don't truly believe it. I think often we're not really truly believing that God answers prayer. We just kind of think it's like a comforting thing for us to do or a comforting thing to say to someone else is like, hey, I'll be praying for you. But often, and I am fully guilty of this as well, of saying that, hey, I'll be praying for you. But actually saying that and actually believing that, saying I'm going to pray for you and believe for God to intervene in this situation, believe for a healing and with, with your physical condition, believe for a breakthrough financially, believe for God to do whatever he needs to do in that situation. And often we're repenting, but we're not embracing that truth that God's in control and he can do anything he wants to do and his desires for heaven to come to earth. Belief is all, always followed up with actions. So if I believed 
that the Kings were going to win the NBA Finals, I would put some money on it right now. Like, right? If I really believed that, and I kind of believe, I would love that for, to happen, but I don't really believe, I would, I would not willing to put any money on that right now. Let me just say it that way. It'd be awesome if they did. But we often say something and we say, man, I believe in Jesus, but we don't have our actions to follow, us, follow it up. Man, I would just challenge you to, to ask yourself, man, when was the last time I really believed that God was in control? See, often, often we, our, our faith is defined by hardships. Like if you really want to find out if you really, what you really believe in, go through a hard time. You know, when there's no money in the bank, you really find out what you believe. Do you really believe that God's in control? Because are you freaking out and are you running to other things? Or are you, are you asking for the peace of God that transcends all understanding to be with you? And are you trusting God that he's in control and he says he'll provide for all your needs? And so I think my challenge today is, are you really letting go of that, of that thought that you are in control and are you fully believing in what he has for you next the kingdom of God is at hand God reigns and rules and there's nothing outside of his power so repent and believe and here's what I want to close with is actually the first part of that verse in verse 15 is that the time is fulfilled he's saying man the time is now the kingdom of God is being made evident not now or not later but now and I was thinking about that we we're not now people we don't, we don't really like that word now. We are later people. We're, we, we, we just love the idea of later. We don't like the idea of I'll do it now. I'll, I'll give later because I'm a later person. I'll join a group later. I'll sign up for a team later. What time does church start? 1030. I'll show up. And, I, and I'm being serious with that because I believe God honors us when we view and we, we see this place as a place of worship and we value the time that we are able to come and worship God. And so what, what I think this is, a, this is a powerful thing that he's saying, and especially to us because it's just a cultural mindset and I get it. And my, my prayer is not to guilt anyway, but I'm, I'm here just to reveal truth about some of our perceptions on how we, we, we see this. He's saying the time is now, because here's the deal. I have that same mindset. I'm often say, I'll do this later. And one of the times I remember being such a young child and being convicted or, and looking back and I, and I see my fault. See, I, I didn't get saved till I was like 15 years old and truly surrendered my life to God. I was going through a crazy hard time and my parents split up and I was super depressed. And I was like, man, God's got to be real. I'm pretty sure he could help me out because I don't know what else I'm going to do. My life is just the worst right now. And I submitted myself to God. I said, God, you better, I'm pretty sure you could help. So can you help? And he surrounded me with great people and he lifted that depression off my life. But I remember being probably nine years old, 10 years old maybe. And I was sitting, I was standing in the living room and there was this commercial on TV. And it was this commercial for like some worship album or as a church service or something. But the video was these people and they were worshiping. They just had their hands raised. And you know, they had their scrunchy face. That's how you know people are really worshiping. They have the scrunchy face. It's like, it's like ugly, scrunchy face. They're like, yes, God. They were doing that. 
They were worshiping, and I remember seeing this, and I remember I didn't even know about Jesus. I didn't know God, who God was, but I still like was like, I'm pretty sure there's something out there. I went to church maybe a few times growing up, but I remember standing there in the living room, nine years old, looking at that video or looking at the commercial on TV and seeing these people just worship, and I said, man, I want to do that. Like, for some reason, I just had this draw. So like, I want to just worship, have a scrunchy face, raise my hands, and to just surrender my life to God. That's, that looks awesome. It was, like, so weirdly appealing to me. But you know what I thought right then? I thought, I'll do that later. Legit, I thought, I will do that once I'm older. Once I'm, like, an adult and have kids of my own, that's when I'll do that. And you know why I thought that? I can really remember my thought pattern with that because it was like a distinct memory for some reason. I remember thinking because I don't know what I'm going to look like. That'd be weird. Like my parents and my brother and my sister, what are they going to think if I do that and worship God? And I was like, but I want to do that. But here's the reason I don't want to do it now, but I want to do it later. Let me tell you, there's always going to be a reason why something is telling you to do it later. I'm going to really believe later. I'm going to really repent and let go of my self-control or let go of my, the fact that I'm in control later. I'm really going to believe that God is in control later. I'm going to believe for my brother's salvation later. I'm really going to believe for a healing with my neighbor later. I'm really going to believe and live out the life God's called me later. I want to tell you, repeat the words that Jesus said as he started his ministry. The time is now. This is for somebody today that has been saying, man, I'm going to really surrender my life later. I'm going to really live out what I know I'm supposed to be doing right now, just like I was watching that TV screen saying, man, that looks awesome, and I know there was something drawing me to it. I want to do that so bad. I want to surrender my life. I want to just stand there and say, God, you are good. I'm surrendering everything to you, but I'm going to do that later. Somebody here today needs to hear Jesus' word. The time is fulfilled. The time is is now. See, I believe a lot of us are just stuck in the middle of that. We may be, we're, we are on, on the monkey bars and we're supposed to be swinging forward, but we're not letting go of the past or we're not fully embracing the truth that God is in control. The kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. You need to let go and embrace that next thing. So are you embracing truth? in your relationships? Are you embracing that truth in your finances, in your, in your marriage, in your, all the other relationships you have, in your, in your faith, in your daily walk, in your, how you schedule your day, your time management? Are you embracing that truth and are you living that out differently? I want us just to kind of close in prayer right now. I just want to allow God to do what he wants to do for, for some of us today. It's, it's our day. Would you bow your heads with me? We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.